Welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. My name is John McGee. Thanks so much for joining us today. Today we're in the studio with Jeff Ward. Jeff, welcome back, brother. Thanks. Glad to be here. It's been a while. Do you know how long it's been since you've been in here? I don't. I don't. It's been uh, it's been our loss. So uh, Jeff is the director of external focus around here, uh, which means everything that we do uh, really in the city and around the world. Uh, it's the scope is is pretty phenomenal, and as a recovering lawyer. That is true. That is true. <laughs> and so Jeff is pretty famous for sending really detailed emails, very, very thorough documents. We have to remind him often you don't get paid by the word anymore. Not anymore. And I call it billable hours for the soul. So, you know. All right. Well, Jeff's been on uh, staff 14 years, dear friend. He's an absolute machine. So yeah, one of the things that I hate about these podcasts is that you don't get to actually sit down and know the person the way I do, the way I know Jeff. He's a dear brother. He's really gifted at what he does. Uh, and he's a good thinker uh, around uh, leadership and uh, developing people. So Jeff, I came to you and said, hey, I'd love to talk about managing your emotions. And you said, I'm you know, we had a great conversation, which is why uh, you're in this in the podcast studio. But you were really passionate about this topic. So before we jump into the the how and the what, talk about why this is so important to you and just important for leaders. Yeah, I think. Thank you, John. I think when we started talking about this, it's become something through the years that I've wanted to grow in personally. That I, I have felt as a team. Um, really just makes a difference in terms of when we're really clicking and when we're not so much. It boils down to managing our emotions. And so I remember just years ago, John, you there was a, a guy who had come on our staff, and I remember you had a conversation with him about this topic. I don't even know if you remember it, but you uh, said, hey, I, I think when things aren't going your way that um, you get discouraged, you get frustrated, and that comes out. And that that could potentially affect your or limit your voice here, you know, in the coming years. And so um, I remembered that conversation because I was the person you were having it with. <laughs> and so uh, I remember it well. And it was the wounds of a friend. And um, and it was true. And so it's something personally, again, that I've been working on and um, praying through and growing in as well as working with my team. Yeah. Well, they say you know, uh, whatever, I, I forgot off the top of my head, whatever that is, where you can recognize your sins and other people really, are really, really well. That's probably why I was so attuned to that. I mean, so, you might have had a plank in your eye. Yeah. You know what? Well, I, I took it for what it's worth. Yeah. And it was, a, it's a downside, candidly, of your wiring because you're so passionate. And when you get stuck on something, you will just go all the way to the end. And when someone somehow blocks or thwarts your plans, that's, that's just a natural downside. So all of us have uh, gifts, we have wirings, we have proclivities, and we have to manage uh, the downside. So I don't know how that was delivered but thank you that you remember it kindly. So why should uh, leaders care about this both for themselves and for organizations? Yeah, that's good. You know, I think intuitively we know that it's all about relationships and sometimes it becomes even less about our competencies and just more how we're able to relate to our coworkers and to our upstream and our downline. And so started reading some books a number of years ago, Emotional Intelligence and some other ones that um, most of our audience probably knows about. But some of the stats I thought were pretty key, like only about one third of us are actually able to identify our emotions as they happen, Wow! which means two thirds of us are controlled by our emotions and we're not even aware of it. And so, uh, again, just reading even just secular literature that's out there, it's the single biggest predictor of performance in the workplace. And, wow. Wow. Um, and then one of the quotes that has resonated with me is that you'll get hired um, because of your IQ, but it's your EQ that gets you promoted if you have it or fired if you don't. 
So your emotional quotient, just like your uh, intelligence quotients. That's really that's really good. Yeah, and I think that rings true as I think about people around here, other other friends that I have. Yeah, they, they get in for a reason. They climb for a different one, and uh, I think I think that's right. Okay, you and I got together, and true to form, I asked you for some thoughts, and there were you gave me many. <laughs> then uh, I was like, Jeff, we that's don't. What I do. Since we don't have a, this isn't a full day podcast. Uh, we've just got a few minutes. Uh, we sat down and we just kind of hacked and we talked out loud and we landed. I, I think it's a good list. Uh, six tips to help you manage your emotions and being the good pastors that we are, they all start with R. Mm-hmm. So one or two of them might be a little bit of a stretch, but uh, hopefully it'll be a good mnemonic device. We don't let that get in the way of a good acronym. <laughs> it's a, of a good, yes, a way to remember things. So, okay, friend. Um, so let's get let's jump into these. Um, the first one is we're talking about tips for managing your emotions. Five of these you can do actually in real time. So these are going to have a, a bias towards you're in a meeting, something's not going your way, you're having a conversation, you get an email, those types of things. Uh, and then one of them will be, uh, this last one will be just some homework you can do to kind of think about uh, developing yourself and I'm doing a little bit of a self-evaluation. So uh, the first one we came up with, Jeff, is number one, remember what's true. So as you seek to manage your emotions, the first thing you need to do is remember what's true. What do you mean by that? You know, that's a really helpful one because it feels like, especially with young leaders that are uh, passionate, they're thinking about the future, um, they see a direction and a clear path and they they want to move and they want to move quickly. It feels like um, sometimes we can get almost myopic about discouragements and times when things get slowed down or we have to change in direction. And so it's a little bit like uh, what I tell some young leaders who get frustrated is like, I have this pen here in front of me. And if I'm looking at the pen and it's away from my face and I can see everything across the landscape, the pen is one part of it. But when I pull that pen up to my eyes, it's all I can see. Yeah. And so sometimes it feels like a discouragement, whatever that might be, a roadblock feels like that's all you can see in the moment. And so, you know, the, the, it's crashing down around you and you get frustrated and super myopic on that particular problem. So what are, the, what are some of the things that you remember uh, when you're in that situation? Sure. You know, and so sometimes um, if you can remember a lot of the yeses and not just the noes. And so, you know, one ministry, particularly here at Watermark that we have, you know, there it's been going for a number of years and we have been um, kind of expanding it as we've gone. We've added uh, leaders. We've added different sorts of ministries, you know, hands-on ministries. Um, but there was one particular strategy that a leader had that we said, hey, we don't, we don't know if we're quite ready for that. And it might be a good strategy. We might, we might not be ready to execute on that as a church. And it felt like all of a sudden it was a lot of no's. And we just had to stop and pause and remember just incrementally where we had come from and where we were going and just all the things that we were saying yes to. And so that was one component of that that we felt like, let's press pause on that. And yet it sort of became a, a bigger deal. Yeah, you can remember, that's really good. Um, you can remember how how much ground you have taken when you're discouraged about how much ground there is still to take. And just remember, look, look how far uh, we've come. Remember all that you do get to do, not just focus on what you can't do would be another one. Mm. Uh, and remember that, you know, because someone shoots your idea down or they say, in that case, it wasn't a no, it was a, probably a not yet. They didn't say they didn't like you. And that you were a bad leader and they hate your ministry. (laughs) Yeah. They just said no to your idea. It's not personal. So just remember that. Like ideas, they feel personal, but in many ways uh, they're not. And so people were just reacting to the idea 
and you you took it personally. Just remember, remember that it really wasn't uh, it wasn't personal. They were just didn't like your idea. Another one for me, Jeff. We've got this map of uh, outside of my office of all the churches that we get to serve, and I you know sometimes I'll just get discouraged that uh, you know I don't know that we haven't planted churches on the moon. I mean, I just have some pretty ridiculous kind <laughs> of hopes coming. and dreams, yeah. right? That yeah. didn't just I mean, come out. I don't you know, know, I just some of the the things that I I feel like we should be able to do are just they're they're not realistic, and it's really helpful for me uh, just to stand in front of that map, you know, a cup of coffee and go, man, I'm so glad that yeah. these churches here, that we get to serve them. What, what a blast. I mean, uh, what an incredible stewardship to, to do that now, because I, I, I want to tend to focus on anywhere there's white space uh, on the map and there's not a, mm-hmm. you know, a little pen uh, there. And so that's, that's helpful. So, and that's, um, that's biblical too, right? I mean, just that Joshua four stones of remembrance, we are forgetful people. Yeah. And so just to be reminded of God's faithfulness and his goodness and, uh, is just helpful for the for the present. Yeah, in the meeting, end of day to remember. Uh, really, really good strategy. Okay, so first tip is to remember what's true. Second, uh, is to realize your first response is emotional. What do you mean by that? That's right. You know, my first reaction to a discouragement or something that goes amiss is emotional. That's just the way we're wired, and I may not be able to control the emotion, but I can certainly control the response to it. And so uh, part of what I've been learning to do through uh, even just books like Emotionally Healthy Discipleship by Pete Scazzaro, our team went through that and just listening to myself. I think I don't come from a background where we surface emotions, identify those emotions, think about uh, what God is teaching me through those emotions. And so I'm really trying to now just embrace those to understand what I'm feeling and then think about why I'm feeling that way and to think about the triggers that I see kind of regularly there and just listening to my body. So sometimes I can be in a meeting and not even realize the the emotion that's surfacing until I feel my heart race a bit and I start getting a little sweaty, you know, and I go, oh, there's something happening here. So just pausing, reflecting, and um, recognizing it, naming it, and then thinking about what God might be teaching me through that. Yeah, that's good. And I think, too, um, you know, to chase those emotions back, why do I feel this? You know, and um, Ashley, who is our uh, executive producer of the podcast, talked about, we were talking through these ideas, and she talked about that feelings wheel. Uh, you remember that the big giant, uh, that oh, yeah. giant wheel, and it's, I, I don't remember exactly how it works, but, you know, I feel angry, which is because, you know, I am humiliated or something like that. Yeah. And so you can, if you can chase that through, then it helps you react uh, well, but just realize this is, this, these are emotional responses. And so don't, whatever you do, we'll, I'm sure this will come back up. Don't respond out of emotion, right? right? You're not saying uh, I did the long math on this. Therefore I'm going to send this email. I'm going to say this thing. I'm going to send this text. That's not what happened. You had an emotional response and remember that. And so don't, burn the house down and, um, and, and be discerning and play the long game sleep. you know, I'm sure we've said this before, before you get all hot and bothered and fire off uh, for you, it would be a 20 page email. Um, (laughs) you know, like sleep on it, Yeah, sleep on it. And for me, the best piece of advice I've got on this is to ask my wife to read it and she'll, she'll tell me, I wouldn't send that, you know, or I would send about one third of this or actually it always is best. Hey, could we follow up and meet in person about this? Right. Right. And, and so that uh, you can do so much damage when you don't realize this is actually emotional yeah. uh, in nature. Yeah. And for, and so we know email is not even a great, a great medium to respond if there's a, if there's a conflict or something that you're, you know, that has really gotten under your skin. And so I do the same thing. I have to just press pause. I mean, how many emails have you written and then hit delete yeah. or written and then put in your draft box and just go, hey, I'm going to sleep on this. I'm going to pray through it. And like you said, I think discernment meters 
are so great. And so in our case, it's certainly Pam. You know, in my case, it's Christy, who I've affectionately call the velvet brick. She's really great, you know, to just say, hey, uh, maybe the tone of that, like I get what you're saying, I understand the frustration, but you might, you know, scale back in the tone. And remember, you don't have all the information too. So, you know, just sleep on that. And usually uh, I I don't hit send. Okay, good. So the third one here is realize the neurology. That's right. We said neurology on this podcast. We're going to venture into uh, lands that we have absolutely no business talking about. Anatomy. When did you, when did you have anatomy last? Yeah, man, don't, don't even ask me. I was in the arts and science college. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I had anatomy in high school, maybe. So uh, truly, we're talking about things we don't fully understand, but I, I think this is a pretty helpful uh, concept I want to talk about here for a second. It's called the amygdala hijack. Many of us are familiar with this idea of fight, flight, or freeze. And what happens is your brain is taking in information. It takes it you might think from kind of your shoulders, the neck, all the way to the front uh, of your brain. I'm sure some neurologist is cringing right now, but I, I think that's that, that, that will be helpful to, to We're not going to let the facts <laughs> right. And so what happens is the uh, the information comes in, comes up through uh, the bottom to the amygdala. And, the, and you can think about it these train tracks. The amygdala says, is this safe? If so, engage all of the brain, the frontal part of the of the brain. That's where you make your, your long-term thinking. That's where you're, you're very rational. If not, uh, the switch is thrown and it stays there. And you are then uh, in fight, flight, or freeze. So you know what that's like when you feel like you're in danger. Immediately, your blood pressure goes up. You start to um, breathe heavier. Uh, You might get flush. Your pupils will begin to get dilated, which would be really helpful. If you lived in Alaska and were being chased by a bear like yeah. that, that's going to come in handy because you don't at that point, you don't need to be thinking about what your wife wants for Christmas uh, or how you're going to plan, um, you know, uh, that next service. That, yeah. Those are those are not helpful thoughts. What What's helpful is uh, how do I get out of here alive? Mm-hmm. You know, it's actually it's an amazing process of the brain. Well, what, what happens is a lot of times we are in these meetings and this happens to me all the time. It's why I spotted it probably in you, Jeff. We're in a meeting. All right, it gets shot down, and we begin to trigger into um, that that response. And the downside is we're not using all of our brain; we're just using that fight, flight, or freeze. And so, a lot of times, uh, we shut down. Um, you know, there's the the freeze. Uh, sometimes we just go, "I'm done, forget it." Uh, that's the flight, or we want to go to war, and we want to start fighting for our ideas, fighting for whatever we think would help that you know our our ministry our business, our initiative better. And we kind of are blind to any of the facts. We just want to start fighting, okay? So that's real. Uh, It's going to happen to all of us. Um, You and I were laughing just a little bit before we hit record. It it happened to me just a little bit yesterday. And I I think in real time, I was able to regulate it. And I want to talk about that for a second. What does it look like to actually kind of regulate in the middle of that? Um, for me, I can tell you how I, how I do it. Uh, one is I actually work on slowing down my breathing. I can feel, um, I don't know if you've ever done this, like you've, uh, you've taken your blood pressure and it's, let's say it's high and you can sit there and calm yourself down and literally take your blood pressure again and watch it go down. And you can stay there until it looks like you're an incredibly healthy human being because you've just regulated you know, your emotions down. Or you can get mad and watch it go up. It's, it's, it's crazy. Well, you can do the same thing. You know, let's, in this case, let's, let's call it a meeting. And um, I will have to slow my breathing down. I'll be very, very conscious uh, of that. What would it look like to slow down, to be present? You want to acknowledge, hey, this is how I'm feeling right now, right? So that you don't as you're not fighting some unknown outside force that is unnamed. Like, I'm feeling frustrated, angry. Here's why I think that's going on. I'm slowing down my breathing. For me, 
uh, a lot of times I will in in my head uh, there's affirmations. God, you're you're in control. Mm-hmm. God, I trust you. Mm-hmm. Like this this is going to be okay. It's yeah. going to be okay. This isn't life uh, or death. So I'm beginning uh, to kind of uh, do that. And then we talked about this with some young managers, and um, and uh, one of the women said that what she will do is actually to engage both sides of her brain. She will actually clench her fist alternating left or right. And so it became a joke. If we were in a meeting and something was rolling against my way, I would hold my fist up and just clench them. It was a signal between uh-huh. uh, those of us that were in on it. Uh, I, I think there probably is some other physical things you could do. You could research that just to engage yeah. all the brain to keep it from getting stuck right there. But that's the idea. Um, realize that it's not just you don't know enough Bible verses. Mm-hmm. Um, something neurologically is going on. You might actually have to rewire the brain to remember, hey, when I come in here, this is safe. It's okay. Uh, but you have to manage your emotions. And I think understanding the neurology, at least for me, mm-hmm. uh, has been helpful. I, I feel very empowered knowing what's going on, and I feel like I can do something about it. So any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, you know, I've struggled with sleep for a number of years, and I went to a behavioral psychologist who, like, works with athletes and, you know, people who are struggling with sleep like me. And his primary strategy was that what you just said, which is just to slow your breathing, be conscious of your breathing. And um, and then that has all kinds of physiological effects of just calming your, your body down. Mm-hmm. And then I think too, just on the emotional side of that, as that's happening, it goes back to something you said earlier, which is just detaching the, the idea from the person. And so if someone is pushing back on an idea or, you know, it's one believing the best about that person that's sitting across from you with that input. And then secondly, just detaching it from you. So the fight or flight comes when I feel like I'm in danger. And so if I don't feel like I'm in danger and maybe just the idea is in danger, uh, I can regulate better. That's good. It's, it's really good. We're not being chased by a bear. Right. Someone doesn't like our idea. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Those are two very different things. They might process through their brain the same way. So the other thing that that's helps me with is just realizing my full brain may not be engaged. So I probably shouldn't say much mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and I play the long game because if I'm not, if I'm literally playing at half strength, if I'm not using all my brain, I probably shouldn't respond very much. Mm-hmm. And so I think about what's basically, uh, what can I say that would be helpful? What would I say that, you know, one year from now, I'm going to be glad I said in this moment and, uh, and try to get to that place. And, and it may be that we need to talk about this later. Um, thank you so much for sharing. I'm going to think about this. But don't don't hit blast in in that moment. That's so, a great strategy. Okay. I mean, okay. it's it's okay to say, "Hey, I'd love to just what you said. I want to process what you said, and then circle back with you yeah. at a later date." Okay. So again, um, you might be really smart. That's why you got the job. If you lose it in these situations, you will not be given more to steward, um, and you might actually get fired. And uh, uh, so that was number three. Uh, we spent some time there. I think it's illustrative of everything that we're talking about. But number four, recognize what's at stake. What do you mean by that, Jeff? Yeah, you know, and this is one I feel like uh, we've picked up on just recently. We've had leadership transitions. We've had people promoted in our organization. And folks, it's funny, it's almost like they're surprised sometimes in a meeting that they'll say something even quietly or something that they've said before in the same ways that they have said before, but it's received very, very differently by the folks across their table, right? Like uh, who take that as an affront or they get uh, discouraged or they take that as an insult. And, um, and it's unsettling for the, for the person, for example, who's been promoted to a manager or man, from a manager to a director and along those lines. And I think it's this fact that um, with positional authority, your voice almost becomes louder than you think. And so the yeah. times when you have said things maybe in a whisper now feel like they're coming from a megaphone. We did a whole podcast on that with Caitlin Van Wagner about yeah. your, your voice basically being louder than you think. Yeah. And you need to 
act accordingly. So yeah. that's right. You set the weather, uh, you set the temperature, and you just need to recognize what's at stake and don't just start talking. Great leaders recognize what's at stake. Right. Really good. Okay. And, and and on that, there's just even a few little quick things like even just, you know, uh, lowering the tone of your voice, slowing the pace of your speech, mm-hmm. you know, uh, acknowledging how, um, you know, in your current position, it might what you're about to say could be received differently. And I yeah. think that just helps set the stage for somebody to receive better. Really good. Okay. Number five. I love this one. Rely on God's sovereignty. This is our competitive advantage as Christian leaders. We can always, always take comfort in God's sovereignty. But what do you mean by that, brother? This is a big, big one for me. And so many times I think with those of us, you know, who get to visioneer a little bit as we can get what we believe is a God-given vision. We pray through it. We go, okay, this is, this is the direction we want to head. This is our North, North star, if you will. And then, but for whatever reason, the ability to execute on that lags. And so we can get frustrated by that. You know, I'll, I'll give you a specific example. So um, years ago in the outreach missions world, we began uh, moving from more relief-centric kind of outreach to more development-centric. So meaning uh, we would go to homeless shelters and we would um, provide lunch to folks there. But once we started asking them what their true need was, it was less about lunch and more about how do I get a job? You know, I'm able-bodied, but I've got I've got barriers to employment. How can you help us? And so um, that in combination with some of the things we were reading and some of the things we were interacting with with the city, we were like, we think job creation could be a really, really great strategy. And so it's empowering. It helps men and women be all that God intended them to be as producers and contributors and husbands and wives. Um, and yet... Um, we felt like that was the right direction to go, but it was a very, very slow process to figure out how do we do that. And so uh, we had some some guys on the outside, like Robert Green, who now works, you know, uh, with your team, John, who was still in the corporate world at that time, and he and I were trying to make matches, you know, with watermark employers, small to medium sized yep. business owners, and we would do that in our spare time. And I think over three or four years, we maybe matched thirty five people, which is a great thing. Um, but I remember being so frustrated that I didn't feel like I had the time. I didn't feel like God was bringing the right leaders, you know, and then Robert, you know, transitioned. And so I got so frustrated by that. But um, but uh, now um, we actually have a community development corporation and that's all they're doing. One of their guys is is helping match people up in discipleship with jobs. And he's matched 60 plus people in a year. Um, but I'm telling you, like the, the years of kind of waiting for that to materialize were super frustrating. And I just relied on just some key biblical examples that continued to help me and to serve me well in that. And um, and so one of those was, um, I remember the story of Saul and David. And Saul was the king of Israel. David, as you know, was anointed king. Um, and yet there were years where Saul was chasing David. Literally, David and his men were running for their lives, right? And they're in the caves. And Saul comes into the cave, right? And there he is. And David's men are like, hey, we have a clear vision from the Lord. You've been anointed king. And I know if I were one of David's guys in the cave, I'd be like, this is it. This is your moment. Like, it's time to realize those dreams. And yet David said, who am I to raise my hand to the Lord's anointed? And it was almost as though he knew that um, that how uh, he accomplished God's vision really, really mattered and that God's timing was important, God's way was important, and that he was just going to wait on the Lord in that. And that just really spoke to me. I love it. So that is... Yeah, that's something I'm growing more and more and more aware of. And so I remember Pam and I were going on a walk this year, and I was just so frustrated about the pace of things. And um, 
something I was working on. And I said, but you know what? The, uh, it's actually, you know, one of the blessings of being old is that you learn to trust God more. And so, and I think, I think 20 years ago, I would have been all kinds of animated and wrapped around the axle. And I don't really know how this is going to resolve itself, but I trust God. Yeah. Uh, I've got a, He's got a really good track record yeah. and I can trust him. And, um, and that keeps me from, you know, not managing my emotions uh, well. Uh, <laughs> if you as a leader have been living with something, thinking about something, praying about something, it's crystal clear in your head. Others aren't going to jump at it the same, uh, with the same vigor um, the first time they hear it. And don't get mad. Manage your emotions. Bring them along with you. Uh, you win in the long run. Um, okay, friends, so we're going to put these notes uh, in the show notes. There'll be a great conversation you could have uh, with your team. This sixth one uh, will be a good conversation with your team. It'll also be some really good self-reflection. So uh, number six, uh, the point is reflect on your impact on others. And uh, Jeff, this was your statement. Uh, what is the level of health or drama around me? When I look around me, and I'm in meetings, I'm in leading things, are things healthy or is there just drama? A lot of times we look around, we think this place is so darn dramatic and it's you. Um, you are the, the one constant in that. It's good to know. So three questions we came up with. Uh, that I think you can reflect on. And then also you can ask uh, others. Uh, I ask you and I ask Ashley as we were running through these, but um, number one, how do I change the dynamics in the room? When I walk in, what changes? Um, and you you have an impact. That's It's not a question of if you do. The question is, what is the impact? Mm-hmm. And it's really helpful to know what uh, what kind of impact do you have? What How do the dynamics, the question is, how do the dynamics change when you enter the room? Number two, uh, how do I respond emotionally when things don't go well. And uh, Jeff, uh, you said uh, you said I get punchy. Um, so you and I are peers, so we're in meetings together a lot of times where, uh, where there's probably a level of candor. And uh, Ashley, who's on my team, said I get quiet. So I probably can't get punchy with her the way I can uh, with you, but um, that's what you said. Uh, that's the downside I've got to, I've got to watch for. Uh, and then number three, uh, what's it like to be under my leadership? Okay. What is it like to be under my leadership? Just, just broad brushstrokes. And some of that can be really good. Some of that can just be things that you just want to be aware of. Um, so, you know, uh, Ashley said two of the things I remember you said, Ashley, one was, uh, it's developmental to be around you and be under your leadership. I always feel like develop. The second one you said was high expectations, which can be a good thing. Uh, people can then, you know, operate in their best. There also could be some downside. So those are some things I need to be aware of, but the sixth point, reflect on your impact on others. So you've got some internal work to do, uh, but you also want to hear how you are impacting uh, others. So Jeff, let's land this plane. You shared, I thought was a great story from Jonathan Edwards, uh, you know, who I, I've heard some say m- may potentially be the smartest American to ever draw breath and uh, was a pastor. Uh, we're still reading his stuff, still influenced by his stuff. Uh, but you weren't talking about the- a theological point. You were talking about leadership and action. So you want to share that to, to close us out? You bet. So, you know, again, this is managing emotions is something I just continue to wrestle with weekly. And so, um, you know, I it was asked to read this book along with some guys, and it was a biography of Jonathan Edwards, who is just a great American theologian. And so um, for me personally, some of the ways that I attack this is just not to try to avoid anger, frustration, or discouragement, but to replace it. And so as I was reading this Jonathan Edwards biography recently, we were reading through, a lot of people don't realize that he was actually fired from his church. And so there were some disputes around communion, disputes around church discipline. And so they actually put him on trial for like a, a week. And one of the witnesses to that trial wrote a journal about what he observed in and around Edwards Um, and particularly his emotional intelligence as this trial was happening. And his name was David Hall, and this is what he said. He was a member of this council that was meeting to to determine Edward's fate. 
And he said um, that Edwards received the shock unshaken. I never saw the least symptoms of displeasure in his countenance the whole week, but he appeared like a man of God whose happiness was out of the reach of his enemies and whose treasure was not only a future but a present good, overbalancing all imaginable ills of life, even to the astonishment of many who could not be at rest without his dismission. And just that phrase, whose happiness was out of the reach of his enemies, his joy being unshaken, and that his joy coming from the Lord, it wasn't connected to his church, it wasn't connected to his circumstances or to his job or to the betrayal, I'm sure that he felt in relationships, but it was found in the Lord. And we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's what Scripture says. And so um, I've been thinking as around as controlling our emotions more of just how do we protect and deepen and cultivate our joy in the Lord? And if we can do that, disconnected from frustrations and disconnected from uh, you know decisions that go awry or circumstances that um, cause us frustration, if we can do that, I think that is really key, key for me. Yeah. Well, and it's just you, you play that game, what would I do? You know, this guy was brilliant. And he had, he's writing these books that will still be in print hundreds of years later. Uh, you know, a pastor, a theologian, um, a university president. Was it Princeton? Is that where yeah. he? Uh, uh-huh. pre- right. <laughs> you know, yes. Yeah. I imagine myself going, "Do you guys know who I am? You know, <laughs> yeah. who are you? Yeah. Uh, all I don't of even you, even if I'm quiet. a believer, yeah, you know." Yeah. Uh, and just to yeah. manage his emotions, we'll we'll use that category today because that's where we are. Um, he distinguished himself, mm. and uh, and so friends, a lot of you are doing things that matter. They really, really do. And as Jeff said, you're in positions where you are because you've you've accomplished things, because you're smart, because uh, God's hand is on you. And how tragic it would be uh, to be removed or to have less of whatever it was that God has for you because you can't manage your emotions. Uh, conversely, if you can, and you can um, instill peace in every every place that you go, uh, I think God's got more for you. And uh, you will have more opportunities to steward. Uh, you will see favor. You will see momentum. Uh, but not managing emotions really can uh, shut all of that off. So friendships matters. Hopefully there'll be an idea or two uh, in here that will be helpful to you. If you have any questions or comments or any other ways we can serve you, you can always reach us at clp at watermark.org, clp at watermark.org. Thanks so much for listening.